Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Welcome back to another episode of Fearless. I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. If this is your first time to a Fearless episode, I'm so thankful you're joining me today. And if you have been returning, how thankful I am that you're back. Many of you have been encouraging me along the way. You've been asking me questions over the last few weeks, submitting them, a lot of them on Instagram. I've been trying to respond to a lot and I will maybe do an episode coming up that we've done before where y'all submit questions and I will answer them to the best of my ability. But I just want to say thank you for all your encouragement. And on today's episode, we are going to return to the Legacy series. And it has been a while since I've done a Legacy episode. I didn't realize how long it's been until I looked back at all the episodes. And many of you might be asking, well, what are the Legacy series? And that's a great, great question for those who are here might be for the first time or new to Fearless. And to refresh the memory of those who have been listening for a while, it started back in the spring, but because of the crazy events of this year um, that continued to take us by surprise, I had to discuss other issues in different episodes. But the Legacy series was me sharing different lessons that I have learned from my grandparents and parents. And it started back after my grandfather passed away a couple years ago, And I really started contemplating the legacy that he left behind. And what did he really leave me, his granddaughter, behind? So I just started writing down thoughts. Every time I would have a thought of something I learned from my family, I would write it down. So back in the spring, I started to share those thoughts and those ideas with you. Back in episode 18, um, in case you missed it, I just kind of laid the foundation of the greatest example my grandfather taught me. And then we continued in episode 20 about the power of scripture, because I think it's so important these, you know, just the power of legacy and what my grandparents taught me. So it's been a while, and I didn't realize how long it's been. But because it's Thanksgiving this week and we're kicking off the holidays with Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about the way my grandparents taught me to praise God in all circumstances. Everyone has their images of Billy Graham. You know, whether that's you remember him in a packed out stadium and seeing the images, tens of thousands of people in a stadium. Many of you remember him just as the pastor to the presidents. Remember pictures seeing him with royalty and hearing him on the radio. All the time I have people come up and tell me their Billy Graham stories, which I never get tired of. Or people will send them to me via Instagram or Twitter. They always remember where they were, at what age they were when they heard Billy Graham or that their parents made them listen to him all the time. And I love it. I never get tired of those. And I have my memories of my grandfather as the world has them. But the images that I hold close to my heart and what I miss about my grandfather and my grandmother are those special moments behind closed doors with my family. And I call them those moments of normalcy. That's what I miss the most. I miss walking in to his house and into the room where he would be. And he would just greet you with the biggest smile. He was just so thankful that you would come to visit him. I miss holding his hand and sitting next to him and talking to him. 
I miss sitting on his front porch that overlooked, you know, the North Carolina mountains, drinking iced tea. He always wanted my Aunt Anne's apple pie. But a memory that I hold dear that I think about often is I miss our Thanksgiving meals as a family. Growing up, we normally spent Thanksgiving at my grandparents' house with my Aunt Anne's family. And my aunt and my mom, they would do the cooking. My Aunt Anne would make her famous apple pie, which I've already talked about. My grandfather always wanted that. I'm kind of more of a pumpkin pie person. My mom makes a killer pumpkin pie. It's my favorite pumpkin pie to this day. My Aunt Anne would also make these sweet potatoes that were quite unique. She would put them inside of an orange peel, like she would peel out the oranges and she would bake her sweet potatoes inside the, the orange peels. And my family, my Aunt Anne, I don't know, I got to ask my mom. I know she's told me, but I can't remember where. They have a famous green bean recipe that everybody wants my mom's green beans. And my Aunt Anne makes them too. They're killer. There's nothing healthy about them when they're done with them, but they're the best. And everybody wants my uh, family's green beans. But we would all gather around my grandparents' table. My grandfather would be at one end, my grandmother at the other. And I can remember many years we would have special guests that might join us, whether somebody, one of my brother's friends from college would come or my Aunt Anne's family would bring friends. There was always some special guest. And then towards the end of my grandparents' lives, more and more people would come, more cousins would want to show up. So it expanded quite large uh, to the point where my mom and my aunt no longer did the cooking. But... We had one tradition as a family. And after the dinner, we took turns going around the table to share what God had done in our lives that year um, and what we were thankful for at the end of it. And it wasn't just the, I'm thankful for my family, thankful for school, I'm done. No, these were, it was really just thought out. It was a time to talk about it with your family, to talk about what your year had looked like, the painful parts of the year, and the good parts, and we would always end on praising God and recognizing His goodness throughout the year. And of course, my grandfather would always be at the end of the table, just staring at my grandmother, always thankful for his Ruth. But they were just sweet moments. There were many moments of tears, especially as ladies, we'd always be crying. But it was a time to recognize maybe the difficult times of the year, but then to always end on praising God through it all. So my grandparents set that example for us. And my dad and my parents have too. My dad is in constant reminder that this is to God's glory, whether it's with Samaritan's Purse or the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. When you're um, with him in the privacy of meetings, he's always reminding his staff of what God has done for the ministry, that it's all of God's glory. And how thankful I am that I've had grandparents and parents who have set that example to me. But as we begin this holiday season with Thanksgiving, we begin to close out this year. You know, we'll be remembering how historic 2020 was. It was the year that was continuing to bring us surprise after surprise. It's been a difficult year. It's been at one point like waves crashing on the beach. It was just like one after the other. It's like, kick us while we're down 2020. And it's just been a difficult year as we approach Thanksgiving. But even apart from the pandemic, the racial tensions, the economy, this election that 
continues to go on today. I know for many people, this has been a year, apart from all that, very difficult personally. And it just seems like all the time, every time I would turn on like social media, I would see a friend who maybe was diagnosed with cancer or who lost a family member um, whose marriages have failed. Maybe they lost a child or their child was walking away from the Lord. It's just been a pretty difficult year all around on a global scale. But even when I look at people I know and on their personal lives, it's been a hard year. And maybe you're listening on this, apart from just the pandemic, you have faced so many challenges and it's difficult. But as Thanksgiving is here, I wanna encourage you to really take quiet time, just you and God, whether that's, sometimes I have to go in my closet to be quiet and to get before God because it's the only quiet place in my house. And sometimes it's in the quietness of the morning before the family is awake. And I just get on my knees in my living room and just pray. But I wanna encourage you that no matter where you are, no matter what this year has looked like, to quiet your heart and go before God and start praising Him for His goodness. Because praising God is not based on a personal emotion. Because our personal emotions, they can change daily with the wind and with the weather. But praising God is a command. Praising God, it should be constant. It should be unwavering. Our praises are unconditional. And many times our heart might not feel like praising God, but we have to do it out of obedience to Him. And this is not to undermine anyone's pain because our pain in our hearts and our lives, it's real, no matter what you've been facing. But when we rejoice and we praise God, even in the midst of pain, I believe our heart can be transformed before God, that it's in those moments of praising Him and choosing to see God's hand in the middle of things, that that's when our hearts can really begin to heal. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We're to rejoice always. We're to pray continually, going before God, praying without ceasing. And we're to always give thanks, it says, in all circumstances. For this is God's will in you in Christ Jesus. And that that can be very difficult, especially depending on what storm of life you're facing. I think sometimes it can be harder to praise God in the good times because life is so good. If you're in a rhythm of things and you're not taking the time to spend a lot of time with God, I know it's me in the difficult times. That's really when I'm just leaning on God for his strength. So in the good times and the bad, you know, in all circumstances, we're to give thanks. And there's approximately, you know, 250 times the Bible we can read commands and declarative statements regarding praising God. And I have this verse and it's hanging over our kitchen table and it's Philippians 4, 8 through 9. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And recently when we were sitting around our kitchen table, I told my kids to look up and I read the Bible verse to them and I started explaining to them what it meant. And I have shared with you before that our family does this peaks in our pits. And I've probably talked about it a lot. 
And it's the rules are the peak is you got to share the best thing of your day. Your pit, you got to share the worst thing of your day. I actually flip that. I turn it around and I make them start with their pit and end with their peak because I always want to end with a good thing and praising God. And the only rule of the whole game is your pit cannot be about somebody in your family or around the table. So my son's pit can't be something his sister did. That's our one rule. But I want them to recognize at a young age that we can always praise God. Um, A lot of times my children will say, nope, I have no pit. It's been a good day. And that's precious. And he probably says that the majority of the time. But every once in a while, they well, they used to. They don't say it anymore because they know I don't allow it. They say, I don't have a peak. And I look at them and I've told them over and over that we can always have a peak. There's always something we can choose to praise God. Even if it's something as simple as we have the dinner on our table tonight we're eating. Or, you know what, Margaret? You got breath in your lungs that you woke up healthy and strong and went to school where so many children can't do that. So many of the times their peak is something big, but often I have to remind them that even the littlest things, we are to praise God. But once again, I'm not here to undermine pain. And I might address this in a later episode because this is actually a topic that I expand on a lot of praising God in all circumstances because our pain is real. Whether you this year you've had the death of a loved one, finance issues have been too great to bear, your marriage is failing, maybe you have a sick child, maybe your health is failing, you've been betrayed, abused, maybe there's an unanswered prayers in your life. And I think unanswered prayers can be so painful. And in those moments of unanswered prayers, you have a hard time going to God and you, you just don't know even what to say sometimes. I've been there, like you don't even know what to pray about. But once again, praising God is a command and we have to do it out of the obedience of our heart. And I think it can be easier to praise God when we know Him and we know His scripture. And like I said, I might get into this later, but a great example is that is Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, when her life was really flipped upside down, when she found out the news that she'd give birth, we see in the following verses that she turned to God and she praised Him said, I'm your Lord's servant. And she praises God. And the words of her praises is actually scripture. And it was like the prayer of Hannah. A lot of it was parallel. So I think that is so important that when we know God, when we have the knowledge of God and we fear God, that in those difficult moments, we can still praise Him and seek His goodness in it. But talking about people who knew to praise in all circumstances, Let's look back at the pilgrims who set that wonderful example, who came to this land and this country looking for something better for their families, many of them looking for that religious freedom to raise their children the way that they wanted to. And here they were, and it's been 400 years since they signed the Mayflower Compact. Next year will be the 400th year of that first Thanksgiving dinner. You know, there were 102 pilgrims that set sail and only 47 of them survived till spring, you know, due to the harsh conditions and the illnesses that they faced. When they arrived in Plymouth, Massachusetts, it was in December, I believe, of 1620. And it was freezing cold. 
And so when they got to land, of course, they're greeted by sicknesses for those who didn't survive um, the severe weather. And they quickly lost 46 of their friends, those who were traveling with them, those who were seeking the same that they were seeking. And that those who endured incredible hardship of that first year in America, I think at one point, only a half a dozen were healthy enough to care for the rest. I honestly, when I try to think back of what that was to to be in Massachusetts in December and to face a winter with nothing, <laughs> you know, they didn't have crops. There's no stores to go to. They didn't have homes. I just can't imagine what that was like. But in the spring of 1621, you know, many of us already know the story of Squanto who came beside them and along with them and showed them how to, to catch fish and to plant corn. And even uh, Governor William Bradford, I was just reading, he described Squanto as a special instrument sent of God for their good beyond their expectation. And uh, Edward Winslow, another pilgrim, he recorded in Mort's Relation, which I, um, I believe was in the fall of 1621. It said, God be praised. We had a good increase our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling that so we might have a special manner of rejoice together after we had gathered the fruit of our labors. And here they were, they were taking time that they had faced difficult times, times of loss, harsh conditions, sickness, illnesses, but they were fighting for it because that's what they believed in. That's why they came to this country and that they took the moment to praise God. And Edward Winslow also said, and although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty. And I just think how beautiful that was, just how hard it really had to be, but they take the moment to bless God for just the bounty that they had in that one moment. No, they had survived. They were free. And with the help of those that were different from them, they had so much. I mean, there was nothing in common with them. But they were to come together despite their differences to help one another, to help their neighbor, to love on one another. And together they had this huge harvest. And they were regaining you know, their health and their strength. And they were able to recognize God's goodness in the moment. And how thankful we should be this year. You know, despite the craziness in this country of 2020, we have so much to be thankful for, that we do live in a land of freedom, that we still have that freedom, that we can still be a voice in that freedom, we can still fight for it. And I've had so many people writing me emails and messages on Instagram. You know, they're worried for what might come after this election, not knowing what this election still holds, not knowing what our Senate will look like quite yet, They're worried and scared and that our hope and our trust should be in the knowledge and the fear of God, that we have to know Him, we have to know what we stand on, and we have to be bold enough to take action. And that is something in this country that we can be very thankful for. Um, And I often, like I tell my kids, that in those moments, you have to find even the littlest things of gratitude to praise God. And of course, our founding fathers they believed in the same. And you can look back, Darren, 
the colonial time when they had the days of prayer and days of fasting. And they had days of thanksgiving, you know, when the difficult times were over and things had turned around. And it was just evidence that our founding fathers, they didn't believe that God just set these laws and placed them and let the world go on its own. But they believed in an active relationship with God. And how thankful I am, you know, this year, despite the difficultness that this nation has faced, that we still live in the greatest country this world has set because we've been a country that has praised God, that sought God, that praised Him in difficult times. And once again, as we approach this season of Thanksgiving, I just want you to examine your own heart that are you truly thankful and are you truly joyful? And I know everyone listening, you can sit there and you are, but to take that time to be intentional. And before we close, I was gonna end something my grandfather wrote. It said, look at me with the story of a man who had every right to be better, but wasn't. The next footsteps in the corridor he knew might be those of the guards taking him away for his execution. His only bed was the hard, cold stone floor of the dark, cramped prison cell. Not an hour passed when he was free from the constant irritation of the chains and pains of the iron, cutting into his wrist and legs. He was separated from friends. He was unjustly accused, brutally treated. If ever a person had a right to complain, it was this man, languishing almost forgotten in a harsh Roman prison. But instead of complaints, his lips rang with words of praise and thanksgiving. The man was the Apostle Paul, a man who had learned the meaning of true thanksgiving, even in the midst of great adversity. And earlier, when he had been imprisoned in Rome, Paul wrote, Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I wanna encourage you with, that God knows and sees exactly where you are, that he hasn't forsaken you, he hasn't abandoned you, that he's there. And yes, if we've all been facing difficult times this year, but I want you to choose to see those moments of goodness where God has been with you in the fire, where he is there and that, you know, I remember the verse, Isaiah 43, it says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name and you are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze for I am the Lord, your God. And if you look at anything else and you have nothing else you feel like you can be thankful for because life has been too difficult, I want you to thank God for that right there is that God, your word says, I should not fear because I am yours and you are with me, that you're with me even in the fire, they will not set me ablaze. And no, I don't know your story as you're listening, but I know God does and he hasn't abandoned you. He's with you. And my hope and my prayer is that this Thanksgiving, despite all the challenges that we're facing, and now some governors are kind of telling us what our Thanksgiving has to look like and shutting us down, even in our own personal homes for Thanksgiving and gathering, that it'll be quite different this year. But I wanna encourage you to be very intentional with your family. Start by yourself. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, 
Set your heart right, just you and him first. Be very intentional personally before God. And then set that example with your family. Take time. Take the grand family tradition. I'm sure many of you do it, but not just to be quick with your answer of going around the table of what you're thankful for, but to really share with your family what it's been like. It's a great time to communicate with your family and those that you love around you and to praise God in the midst of it and to recognize. Because Habakkuk 3.17 says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines and though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God, my savior. And that might be our year. It's just been kind of one hit after the other. And it's probably been difficult for many, but to rejoice in the Lord and be joyful in God, your Savior. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Fearless. Um, I hope you and your family or your friends, whoever you're celebrating with, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And I also wanna remind you that if you need prayer or you need somebody to talk to this Thanksgiving, if it's been difficult or you're lonely, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association has a 24-hour prayer line. You can find that number on our website or I will link it in our show notes. God bless and happy Thanksgiving. I wasn't given the spirit